of, of things that we want for Christmas, right? Well, I, I hope so, because we are about a week out, and I couldn't believe that this morning when I said to my husband, oh, two weeks' time will be Christmas. And, and then we went, oh, hang on, I'm pretty sure next week is Christmas Eve. So, a bit of a service announcement as well, just in case you think it's two weeks out, you've only got a week left to buy all your gifts. So we all have things that we desire, all have things that we want, and yet, as Dave was talking about in the first week of this series, we need to differentiate between our strongest desires and our deepest desires. See, in week one of our series, Dave explained um, that our strongest desires are often those things that win out, things like lust, gluttony, comfort, but, but satisfying the, the strong desires, that's not what we were created for, and it will never truly satisfy What we were created for is our deepest desires. And when Jesus came at Christmas, he offered not only to satisfy our deepest desires, but to fulfill them. It is a finished and complete work. It is a satisfaction that is finished and complete, and it's not just temporary. Jesus offers us hope and joy and love and peace and life and so much more. So this morning we're going to be reading from John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. If you have your Bibles, we'd love for you to open them up so you can read along with us. And this passage is Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples here and and sharing teaching with him. So John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will be done. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. Yeah, God, we just want to come before you now, Lord, with open hearts, ready to hear and receive what you might have to say to us this morning. And God, we thank you for the gift of you, of yourself, of your son, and we thank you for your love. And yeah, God, I just pray as we um, open your word this morning, would you speak to us? We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So about seven and a half years ago, I believe, My friend, my childhood friend who who I grew up with, one of those friends that your grandparents were friends, your parents were friends, and now you're friends. She came to me and she asked, hey, Ash, let's hang out this weekend. And I was like, oh, yes, like that would be amazing. We, We hung out all the time. So this was no different. I thought, yep, let's hang out. That'll be really great. And then she goes, actually, I really specifically would like to get my nails done and then... I want to go to a spot in Mullaney that you decide. So I said, okay, I'd love to get my nails done and then go somewhere in Mullaney. That sounds really, really lovely. I know a spot. 
Carlton and I actually have this really special spot that we go to all the time. We were dating at the time. And it's, it's really lovely. We go and we have picnics and we have strawberries and, and Nutella and you dip them in. It's very lovely. Um, we do all that kind of stuff and let's go there. And she thought, yeah, that's perfect. So she came over to my house this Saturday morning. Carlton was working that day. And she comes over, she says, hey, yep, let's get our nails done. And I, go, I say to her, actually, you know what? I don't want to get my nails done. <laughs> I don't like getting my nails done. I don't like the feeling of, of nail polish or whatever that stuff is that they put on your nail to make it longer. Uh, I really don't like that because it feels funny. Anyway, so I said to her, actually, I don't want to get my nails done. And she went, oh, I really think you should get your nails done. And I was, <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> I don't know why you would want me to get my nails done right now. Anyway, she then proceeded to check my nails and she said, that'll be fine, that'll do, let's just go. All right. I had no idea what was happening. I thought she wanted to get her nails done. I said to her, you can still get your nails done. I don't need to get mine done, but that's okay. We went on our way for our, for our day trip. We headed up to Mulaney. We stopped for breakfast and we stopped for some snacks as well. And then when we got up there, we were sitting down at the lookout, looking out over this, yeah, beautiful view. And we're just sitting and having a, having a good chat. She goes, oh, hey, Ash. I just really need my jumper. I've forgotten my jumper, I left in the car, really need to go and get it. And I went, okay, that's fine, go get your jumper, like, you don't need my permission. And then I sit there, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait, <laughs> and then I'm thinking, well, she's taking a long time to get her jumper. And I turned around, and lo and behold, there is Carlton, with flowers in his hand, down on one knee, and asking me to marry him. There's some photos there on the screen. Aww. See, we all love a really good love story, don't we? I, I, lo I love our good love story. I think it's pretty good. Carlton's down the front there like, oh. <laughs> but this story, along with maybe our wedding day, is one of my favorite stories in my life so far. And I think the reason that these stories are my favourite is they are centred around love. And in this story, there's, there's the obvious love, there's that romantic love between me and, me and Carlton. But then there's also the love that's not so obvious. The love between me and my friend there who helped with that proposal and I had no idea, even though she probably made it quite obvious what was happening that day by checking my nails. That's why I had to get my nails done, by the way, because the photo with the ring, just for those who don't catch on. <laughs> There's also the love between friends and, and, and pastors who prayed for us and journeyed with us and mentored us, who waited at Macca's till 2am for us, thank you, Dave, um, while, we, while we chatted. And then there's family love too, our families who brought us up, who nurtured us, who cared for us, who made us who we are today. There's so much love just in one simple story. And the passage we're going through today, I think it makes it clear that we have actually been created by God to be loved. See, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now remain in my love. We are created, we are designed by God to, to be loved. And love is something that we all crave. And more than that, psychologists actually recognize, and I think this is pretty amazing, that love is something that we as humans need. It's said that love in our lives enhances our survival rates. It's also one of the most important factors in our mental and physical health. And studies show that love is essential for human development in every stage of life, from infant all the way to older adults. And a quote, an article that I read this week by a secular professor, he was discussing humans' need for love. He says this, All of us have an intense desire to be loved and nurtured. The need to be loved, as experiments by Balby and others have shown, could be considered one of our most basic and fundamental needs. Given the importance of the need to be loved, it isn't surprising that most of us believe that a significant determinant of our happiness is whether we feel loved and cared for. That's pretty amazing. To be loved has been considered one of our most basic fundamental needs. It's alongside things like air and food and water and shelter. We have been created and we have been designed intrinsically to be loved. And that means that every stage of our lives, every stage of our lives, we are seeking love from those around us in different ways and for different reasons. But I think as well, there's also a really hard reality that comes with this desire for love. You see, some of my favorite stories in my life, they've been centered around love, this proposal, my marriage. But on the other hand, some of my least favorite stories of my life, some of my deepest hurts and biggest scars are from wounds that have been caused by broken love. Our desire and our need for love in our lives means that love has this power to bring joy to our circumstances, but it also means that love has the power to cause a lot of pain as well. And I think we see two main ways that this pain can happen. The first is when love, it's not being given where it should be given. It's not being um, given where it's expected to be given or given where it's been promised to be given. Or when love is used and manipulated in ways that betray trust and cause damage, things that are self-seeking. See, there's actually a specific way that God intends us to love each other. In verse 12, Jesus says his command is for us to love each other as he has loved us. So this, this pain that we can experience through broken love, this um, happens when love is used in ways that God did not intend for it to be used. When love does not mirror the love that God has for us, can cause immense, immense hurt. And then the second way that love can cause pain, when we seek love above all else, when we obsess over it, we crave it, we need it, we've actually made love an idol. And maybe you're like, now hang on Ash, you've literally just finished telling us that we've been created to be loved. Of course we're gonna crave it. And you're not wrong, but 
The passage here, it speaks to this as well. In verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. See, Jesus never made love an idol. He kept his Father's commands to love God above all else and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus found total satisfaction in that. You see, there's an order that we were designed to, to be loved. We, were, we are to love God above all else and love our neighbor as ourself. And God has designed us this way to keep us from the hurt that is caused when we idolize the love of others and seek from them what only God can give us. And it's because of these realities, our imperfection, our inability to love others as God intended, our misplacement of love as an idol in our lives, that we need to grasp this truth. Earthly love, it will never satisfy. No love that comes from anyone on this earth will ever satisfy our deepest desire for love. So what then? If we come here, if we stop here, it all sounds pretty hopeless. If we were created to be designed uh, and designed to be loved, but love on earth will not satisfy, where do we get this love from? And that is why Jesus came on earth at Christmas time to satisfy, and not only satisfy, but fulfill our desire to be loved. This is what we are celebrating at Christmas. Jesus has come and he has given us the gift of love. And this passage here, it highlights three things that God's love does for us. First of all, God's love is complete. When Jesus says to the disciples, I have loved you, the type of wording he's using here, it sounds past tense, but it's not. What it is, it is kind of, but what it is, sorry, it implies an action that has been made complete. That doesn't mean that the love is, is finished and it's in the past, but what it means is the love is complete and whole. It is an ongoing action that continues to happen. And God's love is complete because of the completed work on the cross. God being rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we are made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And in verse 13 here, we see that God demonstrated his love for us through laying down his life for us, who he now calls friends. But in doing this, Jesus didn't just demonstrate love to us, nor did he distantly reveal love for us. Through Jesus' death on the cross, we can intimately experience in a real and tangible way the love that we were created to receive from God. This is a love that fully satisfies, that far exceeds any love that we can experience here on earth. A love that needs nothing added to it, a love that nothing can be taken away from it. God's love being complete and remaining in this love means that in there we have all that we need. We are made complete through the completeness of God's love for us. 
There is no one in this life that is so rich and so strong and independent, so well off and so thoroughly provided for or honoured as the person of whom Jesus calls his friend. God's love is complete and it completes us and it's because of his love that we can experience relationship with him and every need, every desire is satisfied when we are welcomed into his family. The second thing that God's love does is it brings joy. Verse 11 says, um, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, apart from Jesus, we cannot experience completeness of joy. We can't. But joy that is complete comes through knowing the love that Jesus has. And this joy, it's not just a happiness that is, that is fleeting or based on circumstances. It is a joy that exceeds all circumstances. And, and this love, it will bring joy and completeness of joy that not only satisfies but fulfills because God's love brings deep and real healing. Through Jesus came the fulfillment of this prophecy. And because of his love for us, for those who are in his love, we can rest in knowing that Jesus has done this for us. And this is good news for the brokenhearted, for the hurting. And I I want you to know this truth today. And I'm I'm gonna read this prophecy now um, from Isaiah. And I just want you, particularly if you are hurting, because because of love that's been used or idolized, just close your eyes. This is Jesus speaking to you and what he's done. And close your eyes. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That is the truth of what Jesus has done the healing that he can bring through his love for us. Jesus died on the cross so that those who believe in him and receive him as saviour will experience spiritual healing and restored fellowship with God. And one day, as, as Debbie said before, hallelujah, Jesus will come again with healing in his wings and he will totally heal mind, body and soul. God's love, it brings joy and it brings healing. And the third thing about God's love that we see in this passage is that it is missional. Even though earthly love does not satisfy, there's still a point to it. God created it as a gift for us. Earthly love, when it is given the way God intended and and the way it was created and designed, God designed it to be a picture that points to the greatest love of all, God's love for us. Our earthly love is designed to point to his love. 
Jesus says to his disciples, look and see, just as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now you go and love others. Jesus' love for his disciples revealed God's love for them, and now it was their job to love others in the same way that reveals Jesus' love to others. And it is the same thing he is telling us to do today. So how do we do that? We do that by loving others the same way that Jesus loved us. See, there are different kinds of love that's talked about through the Bible, different kinds of love that we experience here on earth. Just like I love KFC, and I also love my mum. But if those loves were the same, I think my mum would be pretty sad. And in the same way, The love that God has for us and the love that he calls us to love others with is different from any kind of love. It's called agape love. And it's not just based on feeling or relation. It's the highest form of love. It's the love that Jesus had for us. And it is a determined act of the will, a joyful resolve to put others before ourselves. It is totally sacrificial, totally not self-seeking. God's love, his gift of love, is a gift that keeps on giving. Right? If we love others this way, if we love them the way Jesus loved us, be willing to lay down our life for our friends, and not just our friends, but also our enemies. This is how others can know who God is. Our love for one another, it has a point. It should be revealing the love that God has for us so that they may come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. Our love, it should bear fruit. It should encourage people in their relationship with Jesus. It should reveal the radical love that Jesus has for each and every one of us. And it should further the kingdom. You see, earthly love, earthly love has a tendency to be used, misplaced, and it can become an idol, and it will never satisfy, but it has a point. God's love, it is complete, it brings joy and healing and restoration, and it is missional. See, although I shared with you before that my husband's proposal and uh, our, our wedding day as well were some of my favorite stories in my life, they're not the favorite story of my life. My favorite story in my life is when God revealed his love for me and when I surrendered my life to him. And since then, I've never looked back. See, if if, um, Carlton's proposal to me or, or our wedding day was my favorite story of my life and I kept it that way, when the inevitable happens and we hurt one another, what happens to that foundation and that joy that I built upon this love that will never satisfy. So instead, I've put that foundation on the love of God, a perfect love, a sacrificial love. And when people in my life fail, my foundations are not shaken because my life is not built on false satisfaction of broken love, but on the satisfaction of God's complete love. God's love is enough. I don't know what you are searching for this Christmas. I don't know what you are hoping or praying for at the moment in this point in your life. 
I don't know the hurts that you've suffered from people who should have loved you or the loneliness that you're feeling right now. But God does. And he loves you. And his love is enough for you. His love has the power to heal you. God's love is enough. And for those of us who do know and have experienced the fulfillment of God's love, the healing that comes through his love and are just dwelling in his love at the moment, it is your job, as Jesus says, to love others with that same love, to be missional in how you love others, to show Jesus' love through every interaction, not because you are worthy or equipped or or attractive in any way, not because you know what you're doing, but because of who Jesus is and because you have experienced his love. In verse 16, it says, you have been chosen to go and bear fruit. So go. Love others radically. For Christmas this year, give others a gift that keeps on giving. Give them the love of Jesus. Just want to invite the team to come back up now. See, God's love, it is complete. It is finished. This is the best news that we can bring those around us. And this is also the best news for you and for me. This is what we are remembering this year as we celebrate Christmas. A gift of love given freely through a baby. A baby who was born to suffer, born to die, born to save, so that we might experience a completeness of joy and life through him and love. We're gonna sing a song called Noel now. And as we sing, I just, want, I just want you to sit and reflect on the love that God has given to you. Noel means to be born. So when we listen to this song, we hear Jesus was born to suffer, born to save, born as the light of the world, born to be given for us. A baby, perfect, born so that we could live a life that we could never have lived on our own. A sinless life. And even though he lives and that life and dies that death that we deserve, we can have intimacy and relationship with God. That is why he was born. He came to this earth because of his love for us. He died out of his love for us so that we can experience love. Let me pray and we'll sing. Yeah, God, we thank you so much for your love for us, for your willingness, Lord, to humble yourself, to send your son to die for us so that we may experience your love. And God, for those of us right now who are hurting, who are broken, God, who have not experienced love the way you intended it, God, I pray that you would just allow your love to fill their hearts right now. And God, for those of us who who have experienced that love, give us the boldness to share it, to be missional with it. God, your love saves. We want to give that gift this Christmas.